following is a message from Praise and Worship, a community of people in Branson, Missouri who are loved by Jesus and joining Him in His mission to bring love and hope to all people. For more information and for more audio and video content, visit www.branson.church. Hey everybody, Pastor Mark here. Coming to you from a little different venue than you might normally see on our website or on our YouTube channel, and that is um, my office here on a Tuesday afternoon. The reason for this is this past Sunday at Praise and Worship, we launched our study of our 10 core values. And in doing so, we were also testing out some new audiovisual equipment. And in getting all of that calibrated to sound good um, that day for those who were gathered together in worship, uh, some of the buttons didn't get pushed right and we lost our recording. So this this particular message is too important to just say, well, we'll just, you know, catch you on the next time or whatever. We want you guys, all that might uh, stop by um, to see and to hear what this week's message was, because it's the first of our 10 core values, the value of welcoming. And it launches this study and we keep we use the keyword study that we're calling core. Now, core, again, referring to our 10 core values, is so important because it it's, it's basically saying, you know, if you were to walk up to me on the side of the street and say, hey, Mark, what is the thing? What are the, what are the, the most important things for you and the community at Praise and Worship? The 10 things we're gonna be studying over the next 10 weeks are going to be the answer to that question. These are what drives us, these are what compels us. And in fact, you can put the whole core together into one word, Jesus, who is the word. Um, he's a good, he's a guy, he's a dude, but he is the word of God. And that's why we, uh, we call this core because everything begins, everything ends, uh, everything persists in and through Jesus. God is made known to us through Jesus. Jesus is God. And so when we take a look at what Jesus told us to do, what he showed us to do, what he has done and is doing for us and through us, that's our core. And there are 10 key areas that we wanna study. Now it's ironic is normally when you say study, you think about putting on the academic hat or going to the ivory tower, um, whatever it might be, ah, that's great. And we're gonna do some studying that way, but our real study in this case is a study of our own hearts. What I'm asking you to do as the listener over these next 10 weeks is to say, you know, just really confront the issue. Do, do I share these core values? And if not, then what are those differences and what do they look like? Because what our hope is that you would be impacted by God's word in such a way that whether these become core values or, you know, a part of your personal walk, um, my goal, our goal, is that you would know Jesus all the better because that always is the source of all of our values, our relationship with him and what he does in us and through us by his spirit. And so with that, we're going to dive right in. Now, if you haven't read Luke chapter 15, um, grab a Bible, grab your Bible app and open it up. Read the entire chapter, Luke chapter 15. And what you'll find in there is it begins with Jesus encountering the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and their response to what he has been doing. The first passage that you'll see in there in verses one and two is where we want to also start. And as we do so, we'll put them up here on the screen in just a moment, but 
I want to ask you what your front door looks like. Now I've got a picture here for you that shows what the front door of the new building at Praise and Worship looks like right now. Actually, they're, they've already begun digging, digging the foundation and so forth. This picture was taken just before the groundwork would begin. And, but this is where that front door is going to be. And um, the question is whether it's a church building like we're gonna build here, whether it's your house where you have a front door, whether it's your place of work or where you go to school, or maybe it's just how you present yourself to the people that are right next to you. What's your door look like? What does your front door look like? That's the question we wanna ask here. Because when we seek to face the challenges that exist in this world of, of the brokenness in our own hearts and the brokenness in the hearts of the people around us. We face many, many difficult things. And sometimes it's kind of like, you know, our, our faith grows weak, we grow weary, and we don't want to be confronted with people that aren't like us or that don't fit the same categories that we like to live and move in. And that's why we want to take a look at Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. These words from the evangelist Luke as he describes what was happening in and around Jesus. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees, these are people who were um, the religious leaders. Uh, they were setting the tone for how the life of the of the of people of God would how that would unfold in worship at the temple, in the synagogues and and even throughout the week. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Now, the teachers of the law here, you might think of the Pharisees as the local yokels that were that were bringing about God's word and the worship life of his people. But the teachers of the law, now these are like seminary professors and scholars and the people who were saying, no, this is our baseline for truth. So it was those two groups, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, full-on religious leaders, muttered. They muttered and they said, this man, talking of Jesus, welcomes sinners and eats with them. Did you catch that? He welcomes sinners and he eats with them. It doesn't take much to guess where our core value is going this week as we talk about welcoming. Jesus welcomed the people that the church leaders didn't. Now think about that for a minute. Jesus, the Son of God, which means God in the flesh, which means the almighty creator, the one who spoke and by his speaking created the universe. Yeah, that God here on earth in human form, the, the, the human which reveals God to us, we learn from the Gospel of John chapter 1, verse 18. The one who makes him known to us, the one by which he speaks to us, God in the flesh, he is God with us, we learn. He is Emmanuel, that Jesus, welcoming sinners, eating with them. Meanwhile, the leaders of God's people, of you know the, the people who were supposed to be the ones who were revealing God and pointing people to God, upset by the fact that God was eating with the people that they disproved of, that they thought were lower than everyone else, that they thought were, well, you would never want to eat dinner with them. 
in their culture, eating with someone was tantamount, which equal to it's it's the equivalent of identifying with them. It would be like you would only go out to dinner with people you would want people to see you with, to know that you approve of, that to know that you care for, that you want to be their friend. And they were upset. They were muttering. It's this word which just captures. You, know, you just it's like a word picture in a single word muttering and our noses crinkle and our eyes squint and we look right down those crinkled noses. I shared on Sunday as I share with you now that when I read this passage it is so easy to see myself as the one on the outside watching this scene unfold. I'm a pastor. I would fit into the category of Pharisee or teacher of the law. I'm one of those church leaders and my question that that or the question that hits my heart, because remember our study in these 10 weeks is to study our hearts, right? Yes, let God's word speak into them. We will study God's word, but what does his word do to our hearts? And this set of words conflicts my heart. It convicts would be a better word. Because I ask myself, have I as a church leader ever muttered about other people? Well, let's take a look. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. This is the third parable that's that's taught in Luke 15, and it's traditionally called the parable of the prodigal son, or sometimes the parable of the lost son. But I want you to look at verse 11. It should be called the parable of the two sons. There was a man who had two sons, Jesus said, and he's continuing as he's teaching the third of the three parables, all of which had to do with something which was lost, and then was found. And right off the bat, I want, I, I, we mentioned this before, but I want to mention again, you need to know that all the characters of the story of the gospel, which is the true story, and the story of our life, which is our story certainly unfolding, we experience our stories. But I, as always, I love to say God's story and our story come together. And I pray as you hear these words and read the words of Luke 15, that you would see your story in this. You and I are in this story. And as you and you, as we look at this, let's see how we fit in. Verse 13, not long after demanding his inheritance, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. You know, right there. I mean, I'm curious, what does your heart do? I mean, we, we tend to look, and I'll just tell you what my heart does. Maybe yours does something different. But I immediately go, yep, dummy. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you could see that one coming, right? You knew it was going to happen. And, and I know you know the story, but I every time I read this, no matter if I've read it 10 times or a 1,000 times, I look at them like, yeah, he, he didn't know better. He was ignorant. He was short-sighted. He didn't have the long game in mind. Um, and you knew it was coming. You know, this is like a classic cliche because we look out into the world and we see other people doing this. Do you ever see yourself doing this? Do I ever see myself doing this? I'll never forget. I was a young adult, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old, somewhere in there. And one of the most important things that was going on in my heart was to prove to the old people that I could do it, that I wasn't dumb, right? And of course, of course I'm dumb. I'm dumb all the time. I continuously make mistakes. Turns out, though, that have you ever noticed that making mistakes is kind of a really great way to learn? And we'll certainly see learning unfolding for the younger son. 
But whether you're looking, whether you're on the outside looking in and saying, oh my goodness, there's the younger son being a dummy, or whether you're looking in and going, yeah, that was me, or if you're like me, both, because I was the younger son and now I'm a little older and I see myself in both places. Take a look at verse 17. He said, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. This phrase came to his senses. I want you to kind of zoom in on that a little bit. He was there. He'd been, he started, he's beginning to starve. He was, he knew he was in a really bad situation. He was becoming more and more aware of that. And now he is coming to his senses. And, and this is, this is a question I have for you. Have you ever had that moment in your life where you're just, you sort of blink your eyes a little bit. It's like somebody dumps a bucket of water over your face and you're thinking to yourself, wait, <laughs> there's a, there's a phrase in one of the Star Wars movie where Obi-Wan says, wait, we're smarter than this. And then Anakin's like, yeah, apparently not. And, and that's kind of a joke. But the idea is, is yeah, we, we should be. But at some point we come to our senses. Now for us, I think in my daily walk each week, I, I, can, I can see places where I come to my senses. I don't have to go all the way to the foreign land, experience the drought and be eating with the pigs or wishing I could eat with the pigs before I come to my senses. I would think the more mistakes we make, the faster we come to our senses. But regardless of when it is, I think each of us go through things in life where we come to our senses. And that moment when that shift happens in our heart, that's, that's what the Bible calls repent. It's the Greek word metanoia. It's a change of direction and the direction specifically of our hearts. And so there is this moment where the younger son goes, wow, whoa, uh, it doesn't have to be this way. If you're in your life right now and you're experiencing the feeling that he has where he's wishing he could eat the pods that the pigs were eating and he's coming to his senses, you're coming to your senses saying, it doesn't have to be this way. Well. Let's take a look at the next passage, verse 18 and 19. He says, I'm going to set out. I'm going to go back to my father and I'm going to say to him, Father, I have sinned, kind of confessing what's happened against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Now, it's interesting because, you know, as we've been looking at this, how is the son, how is the younger son measuring his worthiness. He's declared himself no longer worthy to be called his father's son. Well, what in the world is the thing which he is using to determine that? Easy answer, his behavior. He is looking at what he has done and saying, I blew it. And that's what we, that's what we do. We, we measure everything by behavior. The no matter where we're at in the story, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were measuring those people that Jesus were welcoming by their behavior and looking down their noses as they did so. This, the, the younger son, in this case, on the other side of that, looks at his life and goes, what a loser. I'm not even worthy to be called your son, dad, but I'm going to go and see if maybe I can just work for you like those other dudes do. And 
and then we'll see what happens. So it's interesting that that move to measure worthiness by behavior. Let's take a look at verse 20. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was, what are those green words? Filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And here's my question. I want you to study in your heart. I'm guessing you know who the father, what character the father is in this story. Spoiler alert, this is God. This is Jesus himself, right? Um, he, Jesus is out on the road looking for his son. And while his son was still a long way off, he saw him and he was filled with compassion in his heart for him. Was he measuring his son's worthiness by his behavior? Let's take a look at the next passage. Verses 15, chapter 15, verses 28 to 29. The older brother, this is the other character in this story. The older brother, he became angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years. And now how's he going to measure, how's he going to measure his status with his father? All these years, I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. He's basically saying to the father, I have been a good person. I've been a good person. And... That son of yours who's been squandering everything with wild living and prostitutes and who knows what, you're just going to absolutely throw a party for him? Seriously? That is not fair. See? And in a world where if the metric, the, the, the standard by which we judge is behavior, then he's right. The older brother is right. It's not fair. Well... Ladies and gentlemen, may I just introduce you to Jesus and how he rolls. Because he absolutely does not measure by behavior. And this is the core of the gospel. It is the core of understanding God. It is the core of who he is. And the answer to that lies and defines, I should say, not lies in, I was going to say lies in, no, it defines who you are. Take a look at verse 31 and 32. What does the father say to the older son? My son, so he doesn't, he doesn't judge the older son's anger and his grouchiness and his judgmentalness with behavior. But he treats him the exact same way he treated the younger son, by declaring him who he is, my son. The father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. You might remember some old hymns that have been written from those words. Think about the implications of this. So the younger brother 
Bad behavior. Squandered it. No one disputes that. The father didn't say, oh, he did a great job. He didn't try to defend him. He just said he was dead. And now he's alive. He said he was lost. And now he's found. Older brother judged his younger brother by his behavior. And then compared that and contrasted that with his own. Got angry. Violated the father's heart by demanding justice and fairness. And the, old, and the father doesn't then condemn the older brother. Instead, he says, everything I have is yours. This is how God rolls. Because I'm betting you identify your, with your, I, I, I'm betting you identify with one of those two sons. Ladies, we'll see in a moment how it doesn't matter whether you're male or female. I want you to see yourself as God's son, just as the just as the fellows would, because in Galatians three verses twenty six to twenty nine, it's it's made very clear that our identity is in Christ; it's in Jesus, and we are brought into equal status in the eyes of God. Certainly, Scripture is clear. There's different roles for different people in all kinds of different ways, whether male, female whether older, younger, whether different seasons of life, all of those things. What I want you to know is that the who that you are is not limited by any of those things that the world tries to limit them by. The category that God works with when he looks at you is, are you my child or not? And if you are my child, then everything I have is yours. Everything. Whether you have good behavior, bad behavior, judgmental heart, or a you know convicted heart, or anything in between, I love you. That's just what he says. And I don't love you based upon any of those things, any of those categories or conditions. I love you unconditionally because I'm your dad and you're my kid. And that's it. And this becomes our core value as his people to do just as Jesus did, which is to say, when we encounter tax collectors and sinners, which is to say those people in our culture that everyone looks down upon and everyone says, you know, you're not welcome here, that the front doors of our church buildings and our homes and our schools and our every other place, workplace, wherever, those doors become open and they become a an opportunity for welcoming those who are on the outside. That we don't operate with categories of us and them, but we simply have the category of us. And that when we look at people who have made mistakes and squandered their opportunities or who are currently judgmental, you know, then we say, wait a minute, whoa, how do I look at them the way God does? Where do you see yourself in this story? Do you see yourself as the younger son? Or is like, man, yeah, how could God ever welcome me home? I've been off in the foreign land. I've been with prostitutes and I've squandered all my resources and I've been very selfish, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or do you see yourself as the older son who doesn't want to welcome anybody home that hasn't done it right? Some of us might be 
might be the younger son, but as we approach the house and we see the older brother in the field, we're like, he'll never let me come home. Maybe dad will, but he never will. And that's why I'm never going back to church because the church is filled with a bunch of people who are grouchy because they've done it right and now I haven't. And then at praise and worship, our core value is to continuously grow in our ability to come to our senses, just like the younger brother did. Both for the times that we've had the squandered life and also for the times when we've had the crinkled nose that we look down at others. And I can tell you that every single day in my own life, I have to have a coming to my senses moment. And I invite you to do that with me, not by your ability, not by my ability, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus freely gives to you and to me, because he wants to eat with us. He wants to have dinner. He identifies with you and with me, not because of our behavior, but because of his love, which declares us to be his children. This is the core value. Romans chapter 15, verse 7. Accept one another then, Paul writes by the power of the Holy Spirit in his letter to the Romans, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. And there it has our core value kind of around the circle. We believe in unconditionally welcoming everyone as Jesus did. I want you to let that sink in a bit. That front door of the praise and worship building or the front door of our house or the front door of our school or the front door of our workplace or the front door wherever. I couldn't tell you what they look like. I'm never going to be able to because they got to be open. We joked. We were like, hey, are we going to leave the doors like wide open in the middle of the night? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll, no. We'll lock the doors, obviously. But never lock them to keep people out. Lock them to keep riff, you know, the riffraff of the, of the brokenness of this evil world that wants to steal, kill, and destroy, driven by the devil. But if the devil wants to come by or he wants to send his people by, they can come on in and we'll talk with them. And then we'll welcome them. You know, if, if I want you to see how this plays out. Because some people have said to me when we talked about this, they're like, so does this mean that like if somebody who just has an open lifestyle that's against God, that we're just going to welcome them in? Mm-hmm. Does it mean that we won't teach them what God says about lifestyles? No, we, of course we'll teach that. But at no point will we judge people and say, well, look at all my life. I've done it all right and you haven't. That's never going to be part of us. And if we make a mistake and we slip that out sometime, then we will come to our senses by God's Spirit. We will repent and we will say, Dad, help me come home so that I can welcome others the same way that you can, you have welcomed me. And that means it might get messy sometimes, guys. This is, this is the implications of this core value. People might look across town and say, praise and worship welcomes those people and eats with them. When you hear that, smile and then love them and remember. They're the older brother and they belong to the father just as much as you and I do. And in the meantime, we will ask him to help us do this. And when we're in the middle of the messiness, to keep taking one step at a time, doors wide open. Please pray with me as we ask him to help us do that. Father, we thank you for all that you give us, and we thank you for your word. 
And we pray right now that you would help us be people who welcome unconditionally everyone. And yes, there will be times when we have to discern how do we navigate that. Because sometimes people will come with the desire to hurt us, and I understand that. But that's where we have to put our trust in you, in your word, in that we would always be a people who teach and preach and demonstrate and embody your love. That our proclamation is one of declaring who we are. That the storytelling we do is one of teaching all the different things that Jesus taught us so that we would love one another as you love us, Lord. That our times when we gather for word, for sacrament, which is those times of mystery when we get to taste and to touch the very body of Christ, that we would be a people who let that not only be a vertical relationship where God's love comes down to us, your love comes to us, but it will be horizontal where it flows out to one another. And Lord, we pray that it, we would then be a people who are sent out of the building that we are in, out of our homes that we are in, out of our schools that we go to, and everywhere in between, and a people who carry your light everywhere we go. Root these core values in our hearts, because the core of all of these things is your Son, our Lord Jesus, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I pray God's richest blessings on your day.